0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Explore Minnesota invites visitors to find their true north. A U of M professor sheds light on advancements for girls and women in sports. And because it's never too early to talk about the state fair, and let's face it, we need a diversion from all this winter, we're going behind the scenes to find out what's new for the next great Minnesota get-together. But first, state lawmakers are now five weeks into the 2019 legislative session and some big issues have percolated to the top m Bill Werner joins us for a recap of that, as well as significant political events on the
1: national level. Scott, Minnesota's opioid abuse crisis back in the spotlight this week as Governor Tim Walz had a conference call with vice presidents of drug manufacturing companies.
2: I've made it clear that my expectation is a piece of legislation will end up on my desk that will provide a funding source and a plan to start reducing uh, the impact of the opioid epidemic in Minnesota.
1: But did the governor get assurances from pharma execs that there will not be any last-minute lobbying, such as what killed bills in prior years?
2: Did not get assurances, but I made it clear that uh, one of the things that I know is... uh, is reputation management. One of the things that I need to be fairly good at is understanding public will. Uh, There will be no tolerance this year for that. Um, I didn't use it as a threat, but I reminded them that just 9% of the public believes that pharmaceutical companies put patients above profits and uh, I think that is a reality that they'll have to come to grips with. Uh, again being very clear that I have not spent my career demonizing these industries. I have expressed my frustrations and outrage at times when things happen but I will equally acknowledge the R&D that they've done has improved the lives of my sister for example when she was going through chemotherapy and things. Those are those are things that we need to recognize but I did not get those assurances uh, but what I did make clear was is that it's in my best estimate these pieces of legislation will pass the house and the senate and they will eventually end up on my desk and i think it's in their best interest to engage now in a constructive manner to improve those bills not just for their bottom line but to improve them for the long range uh solutions that they think
1: are there governor tim walls for the first time ever this week, a Minnesota House committee held a hearing at a state prison, Stillwater, where corrections officer Joseph Gom was killed by an inmate in a shop area last year. New corrections commissioner Paul Schnell told lawmakers.
2: The safety of facilities like this is oftentimes reflected in recognition of the very basic human needs that we have to have. And first and foremost, that is safety
1: governor walls says his goal
2: how do we make these corrections uh, facilities safer but i'm also asking what do we do on the front end to reduce incarceration rates and then at the end to make sure that recidivism rates are low we can do better in the state of minnesota we can do better in terms of uh, protection of our corrections officers we can do better in the treatment of our inmates and we can certainly do better in in reducing the number of folks that were incarcerating
1: the governor contends the fight against minnesota's opioid epidemic will also help reduce the state's prison population a bill that would increase penalties on employers for what's termed wage theft passed its first committee in the dfl-controlled minnesota house on a near unanimous voice vote this week robin piccola a home care worker from fridley told lawmakers 600 employees at the company she worked for went without pay for 45 days and then her employer filed for bankruptcy.
3: If we don't show up for work, even unpaid, that means someone can't get out of bed, someone can't eat, and someone can't live their everyday lives. But while we were caring for others... Workers were scrambling to figure out how to pay bills and stay in our homes.
1: Cecilia Guzman told lawmakers she was owed $2,000 by a cleaning company in 2014 and the court ordered them to pay. And the person still hasn't paid me to this date. Lauren Schothorst with the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce says their members do not condone wage theft, but... An inadvertent mistake
3: or error should not subject them to the serious penalties included in this bill. This is especially concerning for some of our smaller employers who may not have more sophisticated payroll software systems, if at all.
1: And a bill banning cell phone use while driving, other than in hands-free mode, is moving forward at the Minnesota Capitol after passing out of a key Senate committee this week with bipartisan support. But Republican Bill Ingebritsen from Alexandria expressed doubts to the bill's author, fellow Republican Scott Newman from Hutchinson.
4: I can be guaranteed that if you take the phone away from the ear, that they're going to put that phone away totally in the car. I'm I'm all over this, but it isn't going to happen.
1: It Senator, just isn't Sen- going to happen. Mr. Chairman,
5: Senator Ingebritsen. there are no guarantees in life. That's
1: right. Newman contends, though, that his bill will save lives. President Trump's State of the Union address this week.
5: If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation.
1: It just doesn't work that way. Senator Amy Klobuchar responded the investigations are warranted. You think about the challenges in front of us right now, the challenges of law and order uh,
6: when it comes to those investigations and that he was calling them partisan uh, and our Republican colleagues were clapping while the Mueller investigation is coming to a head.
1: First District Republican Congressman Jim Hagedorn says he's hopeful Democrats will take President Trump's call for unity seriously
7: from what I've seen out here, the the Democrat Party is mostly about resisting the president, trying to investigate and replace the president, and then move us way far to the left of even Barack Obama with uh, extreme socialist policies. That's what they're offering. Now let's see if they do come to the table.
1: Congressman Jim Hagedorn, Republicans held on to their two-vote majority in the Minnesota Senate this week when State Representative Jason Rarick won a special election in Senate District 11 in East Central Minnesota, defeating Democrat Stu Laurie. that election prompted by the resignation of Laurie's father, Tony Lurie who joined the Walls administration as Human Services Commissioner. Rarick received 52% of the vote in the special election to Lori's 46%. Legal Marijuana Now Party's John Burenbach was a distant third, only about 2% of the vote. Four state representatives and two state senators announced this week they are joining together to form the United Black Legislative Caucus, which Minneapolis Democrat Jeff Hayden says will be a force to be reckoned with.
2: We plan to hang tight. We plan to stick together. Our interests are aligned. Our histories are similar. We plan to combine with our other uh, uh, people of color caucus, and we plan to stick together and come up with an agenda and agree, and then stick with that.
1: The group says among the issues they will focus on this legislative session are educational disparities, child protection, and job opportunity. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
5: Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish, terrier-hound, chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring. A white, gray, brown, black brindle. Simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance. So common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Sachma is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Explore Minnesota unveiled a new campaign this week that's set to debut this spring. Tasha Radel has more.
8: This week, tourism officials announced their new campaign, Find Your True North. Here to explain how it came about is John Edmond, director of Explore Minnesota. John, before we talk about the new campaign, I understand you hosted your annual tourism conference this week in St. Paul. Can you share with us some of the highlights?
7: Sure. That was the annual gathering of the entire tourism industry in Minnesota that comes together once a year uh, to talk about the last year, what worked, what didn't, to talk about plans for the future year. Uh, We also get a lot of uh, information about technology and marketing, information that people can use, and then we celebrate uh, some of the best in tourism in the last year. So it's, a, it's really an exciting event. We probably had 350 to 400 people from all across the state there uh, really just rallying around the topic of travel and tourism.
8: And speaking of travel and tourism, uh, this is a, a big industry in Minnesota. Is that fair to say?
7: Yes, it is. People don't realize how large it is. It's a $15 billion industry, that's with a B, affecting every single corner of the state. All, all year long, 270,000 direct jobs in the leisure and, leisure and hospitality industry, over a billion dollars, almost a billion dollars uh, generated in state taxes. It's uh, probably about 11% of all the private sector employment in the state.
8: John, let's switch gears a little bit and go back uh, to the new ad campaign that was unveiled earlier this week. Find your true north. Can you tell us a little bit about how this came about?
7: Well, certainly. Uh, we, we did a, a review of our advertising last year, and we put together an industry panel, and, and we went out to some different vendors and tried to get uh, some different unique creative ideas to really put Minnesota on the map. And we got a lot of great, great thoughts and, and ideas, but we kind of focused on this creative idea around the term north. And our, our campaign is really focused on find your true north only in Minnesota. That's going to be the heart of our Campaign that actually won't launch to consumers until probably in April But one of the reasons we did this is because there has been for the last several years even before the Super Bowl a lot of discussion about Minnesota being defined as the North businesses Organizations uh, events, you know, we're talking about North the bold North, et cetera. A lot going on in social media, and it was really redefining the state beyond just the way we Traditionally have been defined in terms of the Midwest so, when we were thinking about a, uh, a campaign that would really put Minnesota on the map, we, we saw all of that was going on and said, you know, instead of creating something entirely new and different uh, and fighting all the momentum that's already going on, let's join this movement about the North and let's redefine it not just as a geography but also as a feeling of something that you can experience in every single part of the state, whether it's in southern Minnesota, in the metropolitan area, or up north. It's something that Everyone can rally around. It's something that uh, that is defined by the individual, no matter what you happen to be doing and what season you're, you're going to be doing it. And it's really going to put Minnesota on the map in a way that we haven't been able to do in, in some time.
8: And you know, that reminded me. I think uh, when the Super Bowl was here, I, I heard a lot about Bold North. And you know, it, it. It. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think people kind of consider us like this freeze box up here in in winter, but. Bold North kind of brought a new meaning too and has this just kind of all spiraled together?
7: It definitely has, and the Super Bowl was one of those things that, that really drew attention to the term North beyond what's going on with, with individuals and, and corporations and, and social media. Um, but the reason that we uh, we are not necessarily defining ourselves as Bold North is because that kind of is more associated with winter, that we're bold and we're willing to be outdoors in the, in the, in the cold, and it was associated with that particular event. The idea of True North means it It can be in the spring, it could be in the summer, it could be in southern Minnesota, it can be in northern Minnesota. It is just a different way of defining the state all season long, beyond just focusing on what's going on in the winter, the cold winter months.
8: Exactly. And are you folks going to continue the trend of hashtag only in Minnesota?
7: Yes, we are. That has been so successful over the years beyond our wildest dreams. Uh, So that is going to be the foundation. You're going to see a lot of uh, ad uh, imagery and logos and usage of terms. It's find your true north only in Minnesota. So that's going to continue on. And the one element I will uh, quickly add here is that we're also changing our media strategy a little bit. We will be doing some geographic uh, focuses on Minnesota and some of the surrounding states.
8: And when we talk about reaching out to, you know, perhaps neighboring states, uh, do we have a breakdown of tourism? Like how many people come from outside of Minnesota into Minnesota?
7: Yes, and and first I I will say that we love those non-residents because they stay longer and they spend more money, as well as as people from Minnesota that travel here. We want to get people traveling throughout the state, but we have just a little under half of our uh, travelers that are from Minnesota, uh, a little over half that are are outside of the state, the surrounding states and beyond, Uh, and then we also are are trying to increase our awareness globally as well because we have such connections to markets all throughout the world through Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport and growing connections to places like uh, Seoul, uh, Dublin, uh, South Korea, uh, China as well coming up uh, in 20, uh, to 2019 and 2020. So we're really trying to put Minnesota on the map in a unique, uh, a new and unique way.
8: Thanks again to my guest John Edmond, director
0: of Explore Minnesota. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. It's never too early to start thinking about the Minnesota State Fair. In fact, it might even serve as a comfort now that most of us are suffering from a little cabin fever in this suddenly relentless winter. I recently chatted with the fair's Danielle Dollinger for a reminder that maybe, just maybe, there's a little light at the end of this snow tunnel.
3: Absolutely. I'm happy to help, and I'm here to assure you that it is less than 200 days until the Minnesota State Fair. We're not wishing away summer, but just know that preparations are in place for the greatest end-of-summer tradition. It will be here, we promise.
0: Danielle, tell me a little bit about what you folks do during the winter months.
3: Sure. So it's a lot of planning. Um, Many are shocked to find out that we actually have 80 year-round full-time staff members, and it's... A ton of planning, a lot of meetings, working with our vendors, working with entertainers, outside exhibitors, really just working with a lot of different people, getting our heads together to put on the greatest fair. So um, what we just did in January was approve nearly $20 million in fairgrounds approv- improvements for this year. So uh, we can assure you that it's going to be pretty exciting this year.
0: And can you tell me a little bit about some of those improvements? What, what are we going to see changing
3: well, the biggest thing, the most kind of visual thing is that we're getting a brand new building up on the north end of the fairgrounds. We've been making quite a bit of changes up there in the past couple of years. Like last year, we made the Pet pavilions, and we made the old Pet Center into a brand new food and beverage destination called The Hangar. But this year, we're kind of taking it even a step further and building a major new exhibit complex. It's going to be $16.3 million worth of just an exhibit-quality, museum-quality exhibit, quality, museum quality exhibit um, that'll actually be free for our fair guests.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, I saw a little bit earlier this week an announcement of some of the grandstand acts already. We've got some of that information. Who, who do we have booked so far?
3: That's right. So actually, four of our grandstand acts have already been confirmed. Uh, earlier this year, or actually in 2018 already, we announced Tootie and the Blowfish, which that one's pretty close to being sold out already, which is nuts. We also have Weird Al Yankovic. And then uh, just this week, we announced Lionel Richie and the current music on a stick featuring Brandy Carlisle.
0: And Danielle, tell me a little bit about what happens to the fairgrounds at this time of year when it's winter and there's a lot of snow on the ground. I mean, are are the grounds themselves still fairly active?
3: We actually have plenty of events taking um, place on the fairgrounds throughout the year. So we just wrapped up St. Paul's Winter Carnival. So there are a bunch of snow sculptures on our fairgrounds. But we also have horse or not horse shows this time of year. Horse shows are more during the summer. But we have events in our Coliseum, such as roller Derby. We also have weddings taking place on the fairgrounds. So our fairgrounds are actually very active all throughout the, you know, the other 300 and some days outside of the fairgrounds.
0: And I was talking to somebody a little bit earlier. They were uh, talking about preparations for the Blue Ribbon Book. Does that start as early as uh, this time of year?
3: Yeah, so that's something, again, that people may not realize is that, you know, it takes a while to print those books. And even before that, we have to pick all the vendors that are going to be placed in that book. So all the vendors who wish to be in that coupon book submit an application beginning in January. And then come February, a committee looks at all those applications and decides on the best mix of coupons for a fair guest, and then we get that book all ready, and then it's ready to be sold in June for $5 with literally some of the best deals on the fairgrounds.
0: And what uh, what is the next thing coming up uh, currently that you're excited about getting ready for the fair for the summer?
3: Well, obviously in May we announce our new Free entertainment, so that personally is a huge deal for me. All the, you know, 900-plus shows that we have uh, throughout the fairgrounds, whether that be at the Liney Lodge band or at the West End Market, uh, all of that free entertainment. Then in June, we announce new foods, which everyone is always very excited for. And then in July, we announce our new attractions. So just starting to get prepared for all of those big announcements and ready to get people coming through the gates. And just so everyone knows, if you do want to get your tickets, they are already on sale for, they're already on sale for the Minnesota State Fair of twelve dollars. Um, those will be on sale leading up to the day before the fair. So if you are an early planner, make sure to get those tickets.
0: And if there's still snow on the ground in August?:
3: Oh. You know, we're still going to happen. We're prepared. But man, that would be the apocalypse. So fingers crossed, that's not the case.
0: Yes, we'll all keep our fingers crossed. Thank you again to my guest, Danielle Dullinger, with the Minnesota State Fair. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
5: Adopt U.S. Kids presents
3: Multiple Choice Parenting.
4: Your daughter just had her first breakup. <laughs> do you, A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends.
5: How about
8: some ice cream?
3: As a parent, there
2: are no perfect answers.
3: But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same.
7: For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This week, athletes around the country celebrated the 33rd annual National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Dr. Nicole Lavoy is the director of the U of M's Tucker Center for Research on Girls and Women in Sport. She told m J.W. Cox that in the three decades we've been marking the day, progress has certainly been made in creating a level playing field for all athletes.
6: We have record numbers of girls and women playing sports today, but the half-empty perspective of that is boys and men still far outnumber girls and women in terms of sports participation. So it's important to have a day where we can talk about the importance and the benefits of participation for girls and women.
4: So how are we making strides toward greater inclusion and equality? You look at the positives, how have those come about? and What are we doing well?
6: What we're doing well is there's many organizations and groups and individuals like the Tucker Center, the Women's Sport Foundation, We coach women leaders in college sport that are advocating and doing outreach and education about the importance of girls and women in sport, and I think through those collaborative efforts are pushing for social change around this issue.
4: How much of this is awareness? In other words, not just empowering girls and women to be involved, letting them know that they should want to or can want to do this, but opening their eyes to what possibilities there are out there in the first place.
6: Yeah, that's a big part of this day is that there's so many young girls and women that love sports, that are passionate about it, they love to play, they, and they want to continue to participate into adulthood or maybe even make it into a career, but they're just not aware of those opportunities. So this day is also about educating Uh, girls and women, their families, and communities uh, about the importance of sport participation for girls. One thing that I would love to mention is our annual Women in Sport Film Festival. We have that every year in honor of National Girls and Women in Sport Day. This year, it will be Tuesday, February 12th. Uh, at the TCF Bank Stadium. It's free and open to the public and we're showing two films. One is called Game On, Women Can Coach and the second is called Rise of the Wahine, Champions of Title IX.
4: What do you see as things that we can do better as a society and, and help spur us on?
6: First of all, I would say we need equal participation opportunities for girls and women. Second, I think we need the media to give proportional and respectful coverage And I think third, we really need to advocate for and commit to having a balance in leadership for girls and women in sport, meaning at least 50% of the coaches and administrators for girls and women need to be women. We even need more than that, but 50% would be a good target.
4: What benefit does that have if they have those leaders in those positions in organizations? What are the benefits of having women at the top of the organizations like that?
6: so many benefits. We know that they are uh, positive role models. It gives girls the idea that they can have that as a viable career pathway, that women can be competent and confident leaders, that women um, having same-sex role models is great for self-esteem and self-perceptions for girls. Um, And we know that when girls and young women are coached by women, they're more likely to go into coaching. So it's a it's a upward cycle in that respect.
4: Obviously the title of the day, Girls and Women in Sport, that means that girls and women, they're involved in this. What about the rest of the population, whether it's it's people who don't participate in athletics or men and boys on that side of the spectrum? What should this day mean and what should it cause them to do to get involved moving forward?
6: Well, I think most men uh, have girls and women in their lives, whether it's partners, daughters, nieces, aunts, and I think we need male allies to be supportive uh, of the opportunities and to advocate for equality for girls and women in sports. So while the, the title of the day is about girls and women, the kind of silent partners that is our male allies behind the scenes that work on our behalf as well and care very deeply about this
4: the state of minnesota the university of minnesota specifically i know very proud of hosting the national volleyball championships not long ago Mm -hmm. what does that type of commitment of our local state and our local area to host and back a marquee women's event like that what does that signal to you about the state of girls and women in sport
6: Well, I think regionally and locally here in Minneapolis, we we should be fairly proud of the increased and respectful coverage and commitment to women's sport, whether it's for the Minnesota Lynx, Gopher women's athletic teams, whether it's hosting the AVCA or the women's Final Four basketball tournament that's coming here in a couple of years. I think Minneapolis and the Twin Cities area should be really proud of the fact that they have a fairly solid tradition of supporting women's sports. Now, it could be better, but it's actually pretty good.
4: When it comes to this particular day that's again circled on the calendar, what excites you each year when it comes back around knowing that again it's another National Girls and Women in Sport Day that you can spread the word? What's the exciting thing for you when you wake up uh, on National Girls and Women in Sport Day?
6: Wow, that's a great question. A, a couple things pop into my head. One, It's a day of the year that focuses on my life's work and what I'm passionate about. I I have National Girls and Women's Sport Day every day here at the Tucker Center, but it's nice to share that national visibility uh, with the community. And I think, secondly, every year I attend the Minnesota Girls and Women's Sport Day celebration, and it really moves me and motivates me and inspires me to learn about all the people that share my passion for girls and women in sport. And I really always look forward to that event.
0: Thank you for that report, JW. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.